0: As a child of the 90s, I loved all things American Girl. Like many kid readers, I also devoured mystery stories. If the American Girl mysteries had been on my radar when I was growing up, it would have been game over. At last, for episode 267, I have the chance to read one of these titles. Specifically, Danger at the Zoo, A Kit Mystery. The book was written by Kathleen Ernst and published in 2005. And in addition to being my first exposure to the American Girl mysteries, it was my first experience with a Kit story. I had a lot to learn and I had the perfect guests to help catch me up. I'll tell you more about them in a moment. In the meantime, here's what you need to know about Danger at the Zoo. It details Kit's efforts as a summer reporter for her local newspaper, for which she has decided that she wants to be more than just a kid contributor. She wants to be a real investigative journalist. To do so, she takes to the zoo. Her friends Will and Sterling have recently gotten jobs there, and there are weird things happening. Naturally, Kit is the right person to get to the bottom of it. At the same time, more weird things are happening at Kit's family's boarding house. And while Kit is too distracted by her zoo investigation to figure out this second mystery, I can assure you that it ends up being pretty juicy. On episode 267, my guests and I dig into the details of danger at the zoo, but we also talk big picture about Kit the American Girl Mysteries, and the portrayal of the Depression era for kids. We discuss kids' idealism, boarding house gossip, labor laws, journalistic dreams, class and money, and the history and meaning of the word hobo. This week, it is such a treat to welcome back to the show, Allison Horrocks and Mary Mahoney, co-hosts of the Dolls of Our Lives podcast, formerly the American Girls podcast. Dolls of Our Lives explores the wild world of American Girl fandom by reviewing and reliving the series book by book. When not writing or podcasting, historian Mary can be found in pursuit of Dolly Parton-related trivia, a house museum tour, or the next great reality show. Ideally, all of the above. She lives in Connecticut with her wife. Allison is a public historian and park ranger. From an early age, Allison has been hooked on finding good books and touring historic sites. She loves sharing stories about the past at her day job and being part of the American Girl fandom on the web. Her doll collection lives in Rhode Island. In extremely exciting news, Allison and Mary's book, Dolls of Our Lives, Why We Can't Quit American Girl, hits shelves one week from today on November 7th. I am so grateful to this fantastic duo for taking the time out of their busy pre-pub schedule to chat with me about Danger at the Zoo, and I hope you will consider pre-ordering or ordering the book. It is obviously so perfect for fans of SSR. You'll find easy links to grab your copy of the Dolls of Our Lives book on SSR's social media this week. And you should absolutely follow them on social media for more updates, too. They're on Instagram at Dolls of Our Lives Podcast and on Twitter at Dolls Lives Pod. And, of course, you can find their podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You can find SSR on Instagram and Twitter at SSR Pod and on Facebook when you search the SSR Podcast or the SSR Book Club. I love hearing from listeners on social media, so please don't hesitate to reach out or tag the show with your thoughts about today's episode. If you're interested in getting involved with a more active virtual book club, now is a great time to jump into SWR, or Shit We Read. Next week, we begin our November discussion about MAME. Learn more and join us at www.patreon.com ssrpodcast or by going to www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. When you join SWR as an SSR patron, you'll be supporting the podcast and getting a bunch of super cool, exclusive rewards in return. Think monthly newsletters, reading recap videos, bonus episodes, an invite to our Discord channel, access to bonus Q and A's with every guest. It's all good stuff. I'm so grateful for the patrons currently supporting SSR. It truly makes a huge difference in helping the show grow, which is that much more important as I prepare to take a brief maternity leave at the beginning of 2024. You can also help the show grow with a 5-star rating or review, or by sharing a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story. Ready to cozy up with some audiobooks this fall? I suggest you check out Libro.fm. You can use code SSRPODCAST on Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O F-M, to get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. Libro.fm is the only place I buy audiobooks because it supports indie booksellers instead of giant corporations. We all rely on Amazon for lots of things but Libro FM offers us a chance to direct our dollars elsewhere. The audiobooks you buy there will sound, and cost, the same as the ones you buy from the big guys. Give it a try and let me know what you listen to and love. Now let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Hi Allison. Hi Mary. Welcome back to SSR. Hello. Thank you so much for having us back. Yes. Thank you so much. Listeners, I hope you remember this, but in, I believe it was 2021, the episode that I did with Allison and Mary won our episode of the year vote. So it is a big deal to have these two back. I have been waiting for the right moment. And given the fact that their book comes out a week from today, I can't imagine a better moment. We'll talk more about that later, but I'm just thrilled. Thank you for making the time. I know you're both very busy and we are digging into Kit's world today. So I am totally new to Kit. Really? Yeah. So Kit was totally not in my American Girl wheelhouse. So I was excited that you chose a Kit book, but I'm an open book about Kit. I did some research about her, but because you are the pros, both about these books, about these characters and the history that comes along with them, I'd love if you would share a little bit of your, like, general thoughts about Kit as a character and maybe why you do or do not find yourself drawn to her story.
1: Wow. I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) I was new to Kit before the show, so before we read her books, I did not grow up with Kit. I'm an elder millennial. I don't know if that's an official term, but I was born in 1986. I'm the same age as the brand. Which one of us is better preserved, who can say? But Kit is set during the Great Depression. That's like the main plot point for most of her stories, driving most of her stories. My grandmother, to whom I was very close, grew up in the Great Depression. So I feel like I wish I'd had these books growing up to drive more conversation with her about her life, which is a major thing that we shared with American Girl. But her books are absolutely unhinged. I just want to say that from the jump. And you would not get that from this book, which is written by... A very sane, rational person named Kathleen Ernst, who we've had on our show, who's a wonderful human being. Valerie Tripp, she's out there. She's done a lot. She wrote those books. The plot devices are nuts. And I say that with love. Like, I genuinely have laughed so hard reading those books. You would love them. They're so entertaining. They pull at your heartstrings. They're plot devices that make no sense. There's, you know, free and you like, wide hobo usage throughout the books. You learn a lot about hobo language. Yeah, we have to talk about that. Allison, feel free to jump at any time. I mean, there's so much to say.
2: Yeah, Kit, I think, was kind of a surprise because she's so close to the timeline of Molly, who we covered on the last episode when we were all together. Yeah. And yet her world is so completely different. Like, they feel very much worlds apart, even though they're by the same author, you know, same brand, same kind of basic universe, Something that I think we really enjoyed covering with Kit is she gets into just enough danger to be interesting in a very American girl way. But reading this book, it captures basically every major theme that the authors of the Kit books tried to cover at all times. And I will say, if you are a fan of Stanley Tucci or that universe, the movie feels very much closest, I think, to this book. Like they share a lot of kind of fiction dna so i highly recommend all the kit canon books and the kit movie which basically rips for its opening sequence the opening of this book as far as i can tell all of the reviews of the kit movie are pretty positive
0: especially
1: as like sort
0: of movies of that elk go which i was impressed by
1: You have to wonder what was going on behind the scenes where Stanley Tucci and Joan Cusack and a number of other, I'm calling top shelf actors, where it was like, what happened to them behind the scenes? Like, what kind of gamble did they lose? Like, I don't know, but there are so many big names in there. Joan Cusack does some of the best physical comedy I've ever seen in my life, not joking. I actually like recorded it on my phone in a very janky way and put it on my Instagram because I was so taken with like what she does with a completely... An interesting scene where they were like, probably like walk through a field. And she just does it in a way where I'm like, only Joan Cusack could give us this gift. Like every frame of this movie makes no sense, but is also beautiful.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay, I'll have to check that out. So my
0: my single point of reference for Kit prior to reading this book and doing the research for this episode is this very random memory. When I was probably 13 ish, maybe 12. My mom and I spent a weekend in Chicago, and at that time, the American Girl place was like brand new. The only one you could go to was in Chicago, and we had this dreamy girls weekend. There's a lot of kind of crummy stuff happening at home, so it was our getaway, and we went to the American Girl place, and at that point, I had sort of outgrown American Girl a little bit, just like I wasn't really Mm. reading the books anymore. I wasn't playing with the dolls, but it had been such a part of my childhood that we were like, we have to go. We'd been reading about it everywhere. And we went to see whatever, like, the musical performance at the time was. And I was disappointed because it was a Kit show. And I think it was because Kit was very new at the time. Like, they were just launching her. And I didn't know anything about her because she wasn't part of, like, my personal American Girl experience. I was born in 1990, so I didn't grow up with her either. But the song that she sings in that show has quite literally been stuck in my head since I was 12 or 13 years old, it is very catchy. I'm not going to sing it on the mic.
1: I was going to say, we're going to hear a couple. <laughs> b- you can't say that and then not give us a couple <laughs> bars. She's helping us. Um, let's just say that the chorus is. Do you want to speak, sing yeah, it? I mean, I, I, you mean know. I,
0: I just, I can hum it. Like I could just, it's like. That's right. Okay, it's like.
1: The
0: let, that's okay, And the the chorus is the words are like flying solo. And it's just about like how she's flying solo and she's out there on her own. And I have never been able to forget it. I wonder if you can find it online somewhere. So that's all I knew about Kit when you suggested this book. So I was excited.
1: Have you seen All the President's Men? Yes. Okay. So the Kit books are like All the President's Men if it's a girl and, you know, like more interesting things take place.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's helpful. That sort of situates me. To me, like, she's one of
1: the greats of American journalism.
0: I felt that. And as, as, as somebody who grew up wanting to be a writer and a journalist, I was hooked immediately in Danger at the Zoo because we are, like, in her journalism experience. Like, she is not only dreaming of being a journalist, she is taking proactive steps toward becoming a journalist which was exciting. Are there other sort of like character traits that we should be aware of about Kit? Like what are her other signature things before we get into this mystery conversation?
1: Hmm, well, I mean, she does have a flower. There's a reference in the book to a flower sack fabric and just know that in the books that gets more play and in the depression flower was actually packaged in cloth that was then repurposed as clothing and she gets an iconic flower cloth birthday dress and it's beautiful so she's into like resourcefulness her whole family is so she's always like trying to figure things out and like repurpose things she's looking for a deal she's looking for a story Mm -hmm. her friendship with sterling is like interesting perplexing yeah i have some questions about sterling okay i imagine you do and will is like from a previous book where he helps the family out he's another one passing through
0: I might have more questions about Will and the nature (laughs)
1: of their relationship
0: and again I'm coming to all of this fresh but we just we immediately meet these friends of Kit's and I just I wasn't sure what was going on between Kit and Will but that that's a question we can discuss later on okay so she's resourceful she's looking for a deal I was getting like this sense of pluckiness this optimism yes it feels very much like the perfect packaging of how an American child was supposed to experience the depression, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it gives Shirley Temple for sure.
0: (laughs) Allison, are we missing any of your
2: favorite elements of Kit's personality or journey? So when we meet Kit in the start of her first six books, the family is not poor. And she doesn't know all the information about the family's finances. And we quickly learned that no one communicates in that family well about money. But Kit has a very kind of like wealthy friend who stays relatively wealthy. And that's the BFF who's built in called Ruthie. But to meet her in danger at the zoo, we're two years down the line where Kit's family has now solidly kind of gone down in the class system for several years. So I think If you start kind of fresh and clean in the kit stories, she's not super aware of money or circumstances in the first book and by this book like they are firmly in the depression and her family has kind of accommodated and adjusted to what that looks like so. This is almost to me like a book seven or something like that in the the chronology. Yeah, I really appreciated the frankness
0: with which the author and again, I didn't know how this compared to the way it's handled in other Kit books. I appreciated like the frankness with which the author has like portrayed Kit understanding what's happening with the family's finances and with the depression. I was trying to remember how that compares to the way Molly processes some similar things that go on in her books. But I just, I felt like Kit was pretty pragmatic. She wants to figure things out for herself. She's flying solo per the lyrics of that song that I will never forget. (laughs) And she is going to not only become a journalist, but she's going to now become a detective and solve a major mystery that's happening at the zoo. I don't think I ever read any of the historical character mysteries, So I learned in my research today, and I'm sure you two can speak to this, in greater detail than I can, that there were two different mystery series within the American Girl universe. So there were the historical mysteries, if I'm not mistaken, and those feature characters from outside of like, typical American Girl canon, my sense is that those books were written to portray time periods that had yet to be covered by the familiar faces of the American Girl universe so they talked about different kinds of historical events and they educated readers about things that hadn't happened to the doll characters and then after the success of those books American Girl introduced these historical character mysteries which bring in more familiar faces like Kit like Samantha like Molly and for the most part if I'm understanding correctly these mystery books are set at some point after like shortly after the meat book so they're not too late in the chronology of the core series. Am I getting that right as far as like how this series fits into the larger arrangement of all things American Girl?
2: Oh, yeah. History mysteries are kind of one offs. And, you know, like because we were with Felicity in a very specific time and place to do the revolution, the history mysteries are sort of saying, well, what if we were somewhere else during roughly the same time period? There's also like other kinds of little, like, charming standalone hardcovers that they made that aren't mysteries. They're sort of like mini stories, and there's a whole bunch of choose your own adventure. I think some of these are among the best written like we I'll just say like we're big fans of Kathleen Ernst not just because we've gotten a chance to actually talk to her about her process but a lot of these blend really well into the universe and kind of add something different like I think this book is a really really fun dive into kind of a random topic and it's still very kit. Yeah, I thought this
0: was really well written. Having had the very unique experience of coming back to something like a Nancy Drew book now several times for the podcast. Oh boy. I will say that this is a delight compared to Nancy (laughs) Drew in the 21st century. I'm sorry, Nancy. I'm sorry. Poor Nancy. I'm sorry to all those ghostwriters, but she just does not hold up. And I really liked Kit as a detective, as a reporter. And thank you both for helping me situate myself in time as far as like how this particular series works into the whole American Girl thing and also just getting me set up with Kit. So let's jump in. Again, I was hooked immediately because we are meeting a fledgling journalist who is being so proactive. She is trying to get herself a summer job. She says to Mr. Gibson, a.k.a. Gib, if you assign me to work with one of your reporters this summer, I can run errands or take notes or anything else. I can help the newspaper and learn at the same time. Like, pluck. Big time. Pluck is the only word. Big pluck. And he explains to her that she's really not cut out to be like a serious reporter and he doesn't have time or space for that, but he has been thinking about sparing some room in the paper for a children's piece, which would kind of go along with what he calls like the ladies section, which is recipes, (laughs) fashion tips, and garden ideas. And Kit is like not thrilled by this. And all that I could think about during this whole conversation she has with Gib is the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and how Andy Anderson, she just wants to talk about how to bring peace to Tajikistan. And her (laughs) editor will only allow her to do Andy Anderson How to Girl Stories, which felt very much like the plight that Kit finds herself in at the beginning of this
1: book. That's entirely true. I was actually thinking about The Morning Show, which I've just started watching the third season of, and in a similar way, Reese Witherspoon just wants to talk about abortion access, and instead they make her go into space with an Elon Musk character (laughs) for like sweeps, basically. It defies explanation, but I do think what's interesting about Kit and, and sort of links up with the main book series is we've watched her wheedle her way into this newspaper office before, and she's actually written some op eds oh. about like the plight of children in the Great Depression, like living at the hobo camps, like uh, food shortages, etc. So, and in doing that, she antagonized her rich uncle, like elderly uncle Allison. Is he like an uncle? That guy.
2: He is a very rich, I want to say he was a great uncle.
1: He's cranky. That's what I remember. Okay. He's cranky.
2: And he could have like rescued the family, but chooses not to.
1: He chooses not to because he's like, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, obviously a a global economic collapse is is your individual responsibility to pull yourself out of. So he can't do anything. She ends up writing these newspaper op-eds that antagonize him. And it's like a real achievement for her where it's like yeah you show him like you write your op-ed so i feel like she's coming in almost as like a political reporter and this (laughs) same editor is like okay i saw everything you did about the depression some really hard-hitting op-eds and now i want you to basically write about a zoo
0: or a parade that's really what he's interested in is like the parade would be his first choice he's not even really sure how he feels about her going after the zoo story because that might just be a little bit too intense
2: yeah No, he wants pony rides. He wants birthday parties. He wants the zoo garden. He wants the hobby fair. For some reason, he makes noises kind of like a horse in between these. And he says (laughs) people will love it. Honestly, he's real for that. Like you do want to be able to flip to some pages and get kind of like local color and splash. It is fascinating to me that she's absolutely willing to do grunt work but when he says no 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 like I have something else in mind she's like of course I'm getting my own investigative journalism column I I get her though because she is who I was when I
0: like got my first job out of college and it was like an assistant job in a department that had absolutely nothing to do with the department that I ultimately wanted to work in but I was like this is my stepping stone and I within months will be in the dream job that I meant to apply for like she has already paved out her path at the newspaper she knows where she's going nothing is holding her back.
1: Nothing at all. Not even corporate structure, (laughs) not even, you know, realistic expectations of job experience or I don't know, like child labor laws, like nothing, nothing will keep her from the top. And I think it's, it's really interesting that, you know, she's just so believes in herself this much that she's willing to put herself out there. Like to me, the, the dynamic really felt like an I Love Lucy episode where it's like, Lucy, like, don't try to get into the show. Like, that's not your job. Here's your lane. Do this. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And then it like, wants to be front of house. Like, that sort of felt like the energy.
0: Yeah, she has her mindset on, like, one way of doing this. And she is going to figure out how to get there. And she has some missteps, which which we will talk about. But at first, she's like, Nope, I got it. I hear you. I, I know you don't want me to write hard news, but I'm going to write hard news and you're going to love it. And you are going to pay me twice what you said you're going to pay <laughs> me. And even though it's a global economic crisis, it will be fine. You have money to burn on my stories. I mean,
1: yeah, we have no sense of like, I would love to get some business background on this newspaper. Like, can we afford this in the budget all of a sudden? Yeah,
0: these are all real questions. Simultaneous to this whole conversation with Gib at the newspaper, Kit is reuniting with Will, and this is where, like, can we just talk about Will because Will is described as a hobo, and this is not a word that I use in my life. This is a word that, as far as I'm concerned, we should not be using in our lives. I did a little bit of light research. My understanding, and you are much better versed in history than I am, of course, is that hobo was a historical term and so it's like in theory kind of okay to use it in the context of this particular setting because these are the words that people use. To me it felt like we were laying on the word hobo pretty thick but the book was written in
2: 2005 so I don't really know where that puts us. So for someone like Kit, hobo is making a distinction because hobos travel and work, they're all itinerant Okay. Bums do not travel or work, and tramps travel but do not work. Wow, okay. So in that classification, she is making sure that everyone knows that Will is temporary, he's itinerant, and he works. And we spent a bunch of time on like people who've done research about the hobo code. And part of what you learn in the sort of canonical kit books is – Kit goes from being part of a family that is really small, like her world is really self-contained, and by the middle of the series, her family has had to open up their house to borders they know, borders they don't know, people who are passing through, looking for work, and this kind of distinction they get through Will and other, you know, passing through people, is there are markers left outside their house to indicate that you can work for the Kittredges and they'll give you lodging or food in return. Like there's a reference in this book to the lady of the house being sort of like an angel, but there's a shorthand that this is okay. Like you can be around these people and they'll support you. Yes. Yeah, so, so he is like, he knows that this is a safe place for
0: him. That's a really interesting background. The fact that there were these different distinctions in the words used. That's very helpful. Was there any like romantic, connection between these two because i felt like there was a little bit of steam but also there was an age gap so i just i i didn't really know how to feel about any of that because will is back my understanding is they met i would assume in the first book of the kid series and then he's gone and now at the beginning of danger at the zoo he's back she's so excited she doesn't quite know where he's been because he's been traveling and working and now he's coming back to find work was there any sort of a spark or am i making that up
1: I mean, you could just be feeling the energy of two people who went to jail together at one time. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) So just want to like hit you with that real quick. Um, I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that was us when we read, was that book six, Allison? Book five? (laughs) They did time. Yeah. Her saving the day is like a jailbreak. It's insane. It's great. Great. Okay. She jumps off a train.
2: (laughs) I think I would have thought that if I hadn't read other Kit literature and lore. I think what you're picking up on, there's like an iconic Kit book cover where she is dressed very similar to Will. There's a lot about Will's life, and there's a passing reference to her brother who's chosen to go be part of the CCC to build Glacier National Park trails in Montana. What she really feels that spark and that excitement for is kind of male freedom. Mm. Like, I really don't think that she has a crush, like air quotes on Will or Sterling or like the men and boys who are kind of around. She even like you kind of catch it in the way that she interacts with the teacher and interesting people who lodge with them she loves the freedom that they have and kind of the way that they interact with the world but I don't think she's like interested in Will as anything more than like she's interested in his life there's like an admiration there and like an interest in the stories he can tell
0: and like what he can bring back more so than there is in him as a, a human
1: yeah, I think that's true. I think he's, like Allison saying, a surrogate older brother for the one who's missing. But also I think there's a kind of jealousy of him because he can literally just hop a train and leave anytime he wants and go everywhere and do anything, and she can't. Right,
2: okay. She
0: tries. She tries. Unsuccessfully. <laughs> well, and that in itself is sort of romantic, like that notion of just being able to pick up and go, although it's in the context of this very difficult time, maybe that's sort of the romance that I'm picking up. It's like more of the romance of... Uh, young girl who sees the possibility of being able to pick up and leave whenever you want, more so than the romance of, like, wanting to be romantically involved with someone.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it reminds me more of, like, relationships you see between women in, like, queer books mm-hmm. where it's sort of, like, do I have a crush on you or do I want to beat you? Okay. Like, and, you know, how do I distinguish that difference? And I think it's more like that. Like, she wants to be like him, have the freedom he has more than having a crush on him, I think.
0: Got it. So Will's back, he's looking for a job, and conveniently, Sterling, who is another friend of Kit's who is living at the boarding house, has recently taken a job as a zoo guide. Like, I think it's more of a volunteer gig, it's not a job. He's like learning about animals and learning how to work at the zoo. And he tells Will that he believes that there are job openings there. And so all of this activity surrounds the zoo, just as Kit has taken on this assignment to write a kid's story for the newspaper. Again, Gib really wants her to focus on this parade, the pony rides. But she's like, hmm, I feel like there could be some cool stuff happening at the zoo. And she wants to go anyway because she told Sterling that she'd let him, like, practice his tour with her, which I loved. Like, that's such a real thing where, like, if you have a friend who, I don't know, I grew up near an amusement park and it's like, oh yeah, like I, I learned how to scoop the cotton candy. Do you want to come and like watch me scoop cotton candy? <laughs> <laughs> yep, Absolutely. Yeah. Same principle. So yeah, she's going to go to the zoo. She's going to see what Sterling is up to. We also get the sense that the zoo has this really special place in our heart. It's symbolic of a simpler time. Like she and her family used to go and it used to be a place that they could enjoy without worry, without financial stress we were talking earlier about how they did not start off as being in a financially difficult position. There are some references in this book to Kit's mom's previous garden club and how that was like a real luxury for her. And then we find out that they spent all this time at the zoo. So as much as Kit is going to visit her friend and to maybe sniff out some news, she also just like wants to be a kid and go to the zoo, which I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is very pure. It's sort of the opposite of Drake's, like, started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> so it's like, you're you're kind of with her, like, with that kind of nostalgic feeling. And I also just need to say, this book should have been called Monkey Business. And I don't know why it wasn't. Yeah. And that's upsetting. And also, you know, Sterling, just to give you some context, literally, like, this is a child who's had to grow up overnight, just like Kit, but even more so, where, like, clearly his parents can't emotionally self-regulate. So he carries on this farce in the book's, Where his dad has left the family and he gets money and like ends up mailing it to the mom pretending it's from his dad to take care of them while they live in the boarding house and it's like he knows the mom will know it's from him but he has to like go through with it and it's like This man, this young boy is like going, has like already gone through a lot and he's sort of serious. So I like how playful sort of he's, or like he's, I think gets some joy from being Kit's sidekick and going with her on these kind of self-concocted adventures. So I'm happy for him that, you know, even though he also is somewhat put in danger at times.
0: He is fully her sidekick in this book. I would not have picked up on any of that. From this standalone title. I mean we kind of see that he's like very protective of Will. He wants everybody to be happy and safe and cared for. But it didn't seem to me that that was happening sort of disproportionately to like other kids who might be worried about loved ones during a time like the
1: depression. I am
0: floored by that backstory
1: on Sterling. I mean, it's like, I don't know if you've read A Tree Girls in Brooklyn, but the scene where like her dad sends her flowers when she's graduating and he does it ahead of like when he dies because he knows he's dying. So she walks in and she's like, I know I'm not going to get flowers because my dad's dead. And then she walks in and there's flowers on her desk because her dad thought of it ahead of time. And you're like, ah, like so emotional. That's what it was like for me reading the book where Sterling like sends a letter to his mom with money pretending to be the dad who abandoned the family. And you're like. This is too much. Again, Valerie Tripp, what are you doing? Like, what happened to you? But it is, it is like, very moving. So I, I think he's the sidekick, but I think he's a very well-developed character for a sidekick as well. I'm so
0: happy that he just gets to hang out in the monkey house in this book. Like, he is taking such pride in this gig that he has as a zoo guide. He wants to do the job well. He's eager to learn. And he does learn quite a bit about the monkeys over the course of this book. Now, listeners, I... I know that this is a controversial statement to make, Allison and Mary, you might find this to be a controversial statement to make. I am not a big fan of monkeys. I accidentally took a biological anthropology course in college, not knowing (laughs) that it was entirely about monkeys and Uh I had too much pride to drop it. And so then I had to go through an entire semester of discussion about various types of monkeys, the evolution of monkeys so I will say that that was something in this book that I didn't see coming. Like I was hoping maybe lions would <laughs> feature more prominently. Sure. But there's a, there's a, a heavy monkey presence here because Sterling is very drawn to them.
2: I will also say, I will say like the thing that kind of like alerted me in this book, the fact that Kit watches Sterling do his spiel once and says, I could probably also give a tour. <laughs> that happens to me almost every day at my job where someone's like, i see that you've spent years studying this i believe i could also do this job and that was one time where i thought kit like i know kit has like literally tried to play hobo she has gone to jail she has been involved in like gold and other kinds of schemes she's gotten herself a job that she's 10 years underqualified for mm-hmm. that was my line I was like kit you are not qualified to deliver a tour <laughs> you don't have the training you don't have the safety protocol let sterling have something he wow. has almost nothing like he he had to live in your in your house and then so kit also like to be fair part of an early animosity between them kit basically loses her bedroom in the family's conversion to a boarding house and has to live in a leaky attic and she feels kind of difficulty with that around sterling they've clearly gotten past it but it is interesting that kit for whatever reason is still allowed to kind of like noodle around and try to look for a job but clearly someone said to sterling like you earning money is imperative
0: well i guess he had to find
2: some money to put in the envelopes to send to his mom true very true she does know that was a ruse so we did that did get resolved but but still but still interesting the plot's thickening so speaking of the plot thickening as
0: as kit is in theory just like exploring the zoo even though she secretly wants to chase down a story weird things start to happen as they do in a mystery as soon as will starts working at the monkey house the zookeepers find that the door to the monkey house has been left open overnight which is of course highly suspicious and very concerning and will gets a stern talking to from the zookeeper but he is very insistent that he did not leave the door to the monkey house open and kit believes him because they are friends and i really did appreciate this this sort of class conversation here where like will is so aware of his position in this situation where he like explicitly says to kit several times like it doesn't matter how many times i tell them that i didn't do it i know that i'm a hobo and they won't listen to me like you just don't understand it and as much as kit and her family might be struggling and they've had to go through all these changes to make it during the depression Kit will never understand that Will's life is still at a completely different place, and it will always be his word against somebody who has more credibility. And just to watch him navigate that, I thought that was really well done.
2: I do think something we kind of flagged in the last series, and it's here too, there is something about Kit's family being disadvantaged in these books where it always seems a little bit temporary. Mm -hmm. There's a whole plot line in here about her father's good jacket, like his his tweed jacket going missing. And there's this sense, um, you know, for Kit that he'll need it for when he gets a better job. And dad kind of hints like he's done with selling cars. He cares about airplanes now. So that was kind of a fascinating drop, mm. but it goes missing. And something we flagged over and over in just about every one of the first six Kit books, every time the family comes into money, she thinks of how she can give it to like, quote unquote, poor people when they are poor people. Yep. In this book, she thinks about the $2 she can earn by doing 2 two stories every week or every other week. And she says, I can use this to help people, which is both generous. And it's like, you are also part of the people who are receiving help. It's always kind of this sense of like, the Kittridges will rebound. And with Will and others, we have no idea. Yeah, I think that's all very true. And I, I read an interview with Kathleen Ernst, maybe
0: it was an interview with Valerie Tripp. I guess it would make more sense if it was an interview with Valerie Tripp and she wrote most of the kit books. But she was talking about how a lot of the inspiration for Kit came from her own mother's stories about growing up in the Depression and developing perspective about, like, one's financial and social position relative to others. And I wonder if that's kind of what's coming into play. Like, and it is also Kit's pluck and optimism, right? Like, she always sees that she can do something for somebody else and that she's better off than somebody else. But you're right, she does seem to have a sort of She's not fully in touch with the reality of the situation of her family. And maybe that's because of the way her parents are communicating to her. I haven't read the other books, so I don't know.
1: I do think there's something of hubris in her, too, though, because to Allison's point, like, if you were really that economically yeah. desperate, which clearly they are, then you wouldn't be screwing around with this opportunity to get a dollar for writing about a parade. Like, you would just do the assignment as proposed. Yeah, I mean, I know that kind of goes <laughs> in the face of her pluck but who— Who who is really doing this for economic necessity would be like, okay, so the editor has asked me to do this one assignment. I'm going to do something completely different. That's my personal passion project. And I'm going to sort of like shoehorn this in and get double money. Right. Like, I just feel like there's something with that that is very childlike, I guess, in terms of its ambition or just sort of like the gumption of it all. But it does also speak to kind of like a position of privilege of like, well, I'm just going to like do what I want and I'm going to make it all work.
0: Right, because this is just a stop along the way for my family. We're not stuck here like Will, for example. Like, we will pull out of this. We will come back to our normal life after the Depression. These borders will move out. I'll get to go back to my bedroom. My dad will put the fancy suit back on, and I won't have to worry about money. She's such an idealist. Like, there was this undercurrent of sort of journalistic, Idealism too, which I, I flagged throughout the book as somebody who like went to journalism school and thought she wanted to be a reporter. She's learning from Miss Brevetti, who's one of the boarders, about the different purposes that journalism can serve. And she didn't realize before that journalism wasn't just like writing things down. She is discovering that she actually has to do interviewing and reporting, which I think is a tough lesson for a lot of kids that were good writers who then decide they want to be journalists eventually have to figure out because it's like oh no you actually have to talk to people and that's scary I have been there but she is so excited about the opportunity to like make a difference and teach people things and I think she there's an element of, of pride in that as well that like she thinks that at this point in her life she knows enough has access to enough information to be the person to teach people about like the ills of the world and Maybe that also speaks to what you're saying about her hubris.
1: Well, and I, I wonder, too, like, is that where we might see the age in which this book was written coming out in the storytelling? Because that's something else that we've considered with kids, that a lot of it comes out with like the Obama years. Mm. And so feeling like this forced narrative of hope that you want to almost like manifest Oprah style, like I'm just going to like that's the position I'm going to have for the long arc of American history, like the story we tell about ourselves, like things are always going to get better, we can change circumstances, and I wonder like, not to like bring these books down, but like what would a Great Depression kids book be like if it wasn't written from the position that it's going to end? Like what would Kit's attitude be if she didn't know on some level with us that it's going to get better at some point?
0: I mean, I would think that she just would have gone straight to that parade and would have written a very boring news story and would have turned it directly into Gibb and just waited for another assignment. There would have been no visit to the zoo. She wouldn't have been just like frolicking with Sterling. She would not have had the time to chase down a mystery. (laughs) I would imagine that to your point, like if, if her family was really in such dire straits or if Kit understood that her family was in such a dangerous position. There were other things that she could have spent her summer doing that would have been like more secure money, right?
2: Oh, for sure. And there are times, you know, one of the early kind of crises in Kit's life in the early books, which are like pre-1935, is whether her family is going to start to sell eggs because that will be a total marker to everyone that they don't have as much money as they used to. And showing up in the flower sack dress is a signal They can't afford to buy things the way that they used to. It's sort of like showing up in kind of something homemade in a way that's embarrassing to her early on.
1: Hmm.
0: This is also interesting. Now I do want to read the whole Kit series. You're convincing me. They're
1: very good. They're interesting. Yeah, I like them a lot.
2: They're very fun. They're entertaining. Like, we're, you know, picking at different threads of them. But Kit, I think is one of the best written characters in terms of someone who has a moral compass in a very subtle way. It comes out over and over in these books where there are moments where someone needs to intervene. And even though she's 10 or 12 in the case of these books, she stands up for someone, right? She stands up for her friend, Will. And even when she's behind closed doors and her mother is starting to doubt him, you know she feels very confident like that's not his character. And the idea that character and integrity matter, I think is like a huge through line through the kit books that Kathleen Ernst just kind of picks up very well. I also love that like the best and like most intriguing mystery is like right underneath her nose with Miss Bravetti and like what the heck is actually going on with <laughs> right. Mrs. Dally Rumpel? But she's like, I don't have time for domestic drama. I've covered that in the first six books. It's the zoo. It's the bars and the cages, or it's nothing. She's like, I've gone to jail.
1: I I've was ten. Things. Yeah. Now I'm twelve. I've, I've, She's lived. <laughs> now I'm yeah. twelve.
2: Like, there's something about the kit books where they're like, if we don't have bars at some point, no one will
1: yeah. We exactly. can't call it a kit
2: book.
0: Yeah, so there's there are these two mysteries going on. There's the monkey house situation where the door is being left open. Um, she discovers the black market zoo animal trade, which Calls to mind Joe Tiger, very dark days of the early pandemic years. She learns that there is this very shady business going on where people buy and sell zoo animals. Um, And I won't spoil the ending, but that does have something to do (laughs) with the mystery of the zoo and what's going on with the open door in the monkey house. I think we should refocus our attention on the second mystery which Allison you just brought up and that's what's happening at the boarding house. I thought that was way more interesting than Mm -hmm. the situation at the zoo because nothing was really happening at the zoo except that there was just like a door left open like it never really escalated beyond that things are escalating at the boarding house
1: things are popping off like things are happening you know like I would love if there was like a Dumois for this boarding house because I would be posting blind item after blind item like who is the man with a fedora seen exiting the boarding house she doesn't feel a kid sees this doesn't feel motivated to ask or tell an adult <laughs> about anything about this like things are going missing a loaf of bread dad's blue soup I forget what else but it like different food items and you know people are noting it that would seem like it would be of like immediate concern to her well-being she sees a man in a fedora leave the house in shadow says not a thing to any person well she's seen a lot of things as we've established when the peaches go missing
2: that's when sterling says like i say no more yeah he's, he's like, like that's it. sterling and the small peach i have something to say and he does a rundown with kit where he says who else is likely to have taken the peaches Mr. Pecks lived with us for two years. Miss Brevetti's so skinny she couldn't possibly be eating snacks. And if Mrs. Dolly wanted something, she'd just say so straight out. And Kit says, "I don't know what's going on at home, but I'm just not ready to think Will's behind it." I mean, this whole thing would be different with a ring camera, but thankfully it's 1935, wow. so they're all pretty safe. It is also, I think, there's something about the way that this particular author writes young girls that you do get very focused on mysteries of your own creation when you're younger, right? Or like intrigue in your own world. And I do love that there's like nods to adult problems, but that Kit isn't asked to solve adult problems per se. That's something I really, really like about this book that's a little bit different from some of the others. I, I really appreciate that distinction
0: because nobody is nobody's bringing the kids into this. And I, I think that it would have been really easy under the hand of another author for the kids to feel like this was something that they had to take on to fix to solve for a kid's family because of course they're the ones that are losing out as a result of these thefts so it's causing problems for their bottom line like they not only house these people but they feed them and so once food goes missing that means that they are out x amount of money but it feels as though the parents are kind of trying to like shield the kids from this I mean they're concerned about it but they're not asking anybody else to figure it out and I've read my share of books where a kid character feels like it's sort of up to them to make this right and so I I
1: appreciate that distinction Allison I just want to say that the best character in this book is Mrs. Delrymple, and I would like to read the spinoff that's just about her from her perspective
0: I would like to read a spinoff about almost all of the borders. Like I think it'd be interesting to read a book where we get like chapters from all of them. Yes. It would be really kind of juicy. I will say that the ultimate solution to the mystery of the thefts at the boarding house is is pretty fascinating. And I did not see it coming. Much more interesting to me than the answer to the zoo mystery, the danger at the zoo mystery. (laughs) Miss Brevetti, we find has been pretending to be single when she is in fact married. And so she has been taking food and the suit jacket to give to her husband who has been living at the hobo camp because he figured at least one of them should be sleeping inside and safe and warm. And so he let her take the boarding house. They're pretending not to be married so she can keep her job because we learned that Schools are talking about letting go of married teachers because a married teacher doesn't need her job as much as a single teacher according to this world, which I did think was very interesting. Like all of the stuff about labor organizing and the rights of the teachers that was that was a great nod to like other things that Kit could be learning at the time. So yeah, I, I really did not see any of that coming, but it, it is all it is all happening because of the secret her secret marital status i had no idea
1: did you think at any point that the secret was that she was sneaking out to hang out with will cuz that's what i thought
0: i did think will might be involved a little bit more than he was he really is like keeping the secret but i i he did seem like he might be sneaking around somehow so i i think that might have crossed my mind for a second the miss brevetti will relationship
2: I think part of what this book shows too is like the mid 1930s are such a critical moment for changing labor laws like yeah, the way that these kids are like, well, I'm a zoo guide, but I'm also working the way that no one has like filled out a single piece of paper to have employment. Right. And there's like this like sort of specter of like, what if the employees unionize, but that that can be shut down pretty easily. Right. Like this is before a huge set of sweeping legislation is changed to, you know, try to eliminate most child's labor, to try to add in protections, to ensure that unions can be created like you're really seeing kit on kind of this final gas before everything is going to change. And I thought that was like really brilliant timing on the part of this book. And it also really struck me reading it how much had stayed the same for her through years of a depression. Initially, you do think that mom losing her garden is just going to be one season. Now it's been three. And you really kind of take that to heart, you know, as like a kit fan of saying, we always wonder what would have happened to these girls further on. I think that Kit meets Jack Kerouac and is like gone for. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where life takes her. And I think it's like a dark road or she works for the federal government. I don't see a middle for her. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think, Mary?
1: I mean, I kind of see her going like for the works progress administration or something like doing photography or journalism, writing up, you know, what she's seeing on the road. So either she's on the road with Jack Kerouac apart from the system as allison is noting or a part of it like it's the person who's the kind of internal historian of you know all of these sweeping changes during the new deal i think that would be something of interest to her, or, you know, like, you know, Margaret Bourke-White or somebody who is just by documenting what's going on, offering a criticism or are highlighting the juxtapositions of, you know, her famous photograph of people standing in a breadline in front of a billboard that says the highest standard of living in the world. Like, you know, I I could kind of see her doing something like that. Mm.
0: And we are seeing the seeds of that in this book with her lessons from Miss Bravetti about the potential impact of journalism. So that could be uh, it could have all started here speaking of which i did want to make sure we circled back to the lesson that gib attempts to teach her and i think does so fairly successfully as we've discussed she completely ignores his instructions about <laughs> covering the parade for the children's section of the newspaper instead spends all of this time chasing down the zoo story which gib finds not to be very interesting on the page She does a very poor job with the children's story about the parade. And he basically is like, this is trash. Like, how much time did you spend on this? Because it shows. It's an important lesson for us all. We've all been there. We have all thought that we could beat the assignment by doing more and found that we did the whole thing poorly.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there, writing the book report or something that of a book you haven't exactly read word for word. But sounds really impressive. Yeah. I mean, in high school, I would just compare everything to a quill. And that metaphor seemed to get me out of, I thought, a lot of scrapes, but not entirely.
2: To be fair, too, like she pulled the assignment too fast like she didn't really have conclusions yet she hadn't really figured everything out like kit would have loved reddit Uh, and i would have loved to see kit on reddit because she's like i know that it's premature (laughs) so this is the perfect time for me to start a whole new series of threads like this is exactly where i should be we should also give her credit she did start her own newspaper with a you know modest circulation called hard times which was very cleverly done it was a way to communicate with her father when he temporarily went away for work so like she knows her audience but she's improving like he could have also helped her a little
1: i also think it's like the difference between being agatha christie or jessica fletcher like amateur detective versus being a reporter because at the end of an agatha christie book literally a character will be like so anyway." I have no facts, um, I've just been keeping this all to myself, but I've pulled all the characters together to just let you know like what I think has happened here. And there's no like footnotes required, or, and that's sort of what the first draft is, where she's like, anyway, off the dome, here's my thoughts, or here's my story. And by the end, it's like she actually has to be a reporter. Like, she has to interview people, she has to put together a timeline, she has to run down all the salient details so she can defend her story, and that's when it seems to do well. She does get there eventually. I mean, as a journalist yourself, you can judge better than us. So I don't know how she stands up to your your training, but you can tell us.
0: I would have liked to hear a little bit more about how she fact-checked her sources. Mm, I thought that that yep. was a bit lacking. Um, and I think that it would have been interesting to like read more of her work, just because I, I'm curious about the power of her pen But I do appreciate that she has such an attitude of, you know what, I'm going to go back and do it again. You don't like how I reported this story. I can do it better next time. Uh, That Mm. sort of attitude has really made a big difference in a lot of journalistic careers. So I applaud her for that.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. Can I ask like the central tension here about, you know, what's going to happen with these animals Were you kind of checked out of that? Because you're just like, I've already learned so much about monkeys. Like, I'm full. I was just like, not, I was, I didn't, I couldn't get into
0: the monkeys thing. And I don't even think it's because of my personal distaste for monkeys. I just, I, for me, the tension in the mystery wasn't really there. Like, I just, I was like, okay, great. The door to the monkey house is open every morning, but nothing was happening really as a result of it. The only reason we seemed like, we were supposed to care was because we didn't want Will to be the one who
2: was responsible. But Kathleen knows, like, Kathleen knows that you need to be low stakes with the mystery, in air quotes, because the real mystery is, like, will any of these people survive capitalism? And wow. she got she you. She get me there. I don't know. She got you there.
1: I mean, she even admits like halfway through the book when what's his name? Like the monkey handler is like, yeah. So anyway, here's like this passageway that's sort of like a safety zone. So I'm like, so I'm sorry, wait a second. So even if we leave the door unlocked, the monkeys are never getting out. So what exactly are we were like, what, what's the mystery we're trying to solve here? Like these monkeys are safe.
0: Yeah. I mean, the stakes on the disappearing peaches seemed way higher for me and certainly for (laughs) Sterling.
1: As someone who's passionate about cereal, when I heard the detail that the peaches were intended for the cereal, like for the cereal to not go well was really high stakes for me.
0: And I felt for Sterling. He was really bummed about the peaches too.
1: This boy has been through it. And honestly, like if this little boy just needs some peaches, we should give that to him.
0: He should get something.
1: He's out here
0: just trying to take care of the monkeys, trying to take care of his mom, trying to make sure that Will isn't wrongfully accused of a crime let the boy have some fruit and
1: also like he has a deep artistic streak like he is the um, number one illustrator of hard times newspaper and the fact that that entire personality trait like he loves drawing and art has completely dropped out of this book is sort of a fascinating choice like he cares about monkeys now I guess like that's his he gets like one interest and now it's this Kathleen said there's no space No. There's no space at the zoo. Not in
2: 1935.
1: No
0: space at the zoo for your art. So, we did not read this book, of course, when we were kids. So, we cannot compare this experience reading it to an original encounter with Danger at the Zoo. But I guess to close out our conversation about this book, I would love for you both to share kind of how you see Danger at the Zoo relative to some of Kit's other adventures. You've mentioned it throughout our conversation, but if we could just kind of like wrap it up, like, How does this mystery maybe meet or not meet your expectations for a Kit-centric mystery relative to all the other knowledge that you've amassed of this
2: character? I mean, top shelf, right? I think this is a great addition to the Kit series. Also, like, you know, honestly, like, I can pretty much always be talked into going to a zoo. so. For me i'll compare this to like going to the zoo which i've done as recently as two or three months ago if you feel strange about watching animals in certain contexts i love that this book had information about zoo reform and the move away from barless cages and like the ways that animals kind of come into zoos so i'm gonna say that this absolutely lives up to or exceeds some of my other favorite kit books if I had read this as a young person, I would have loved it. Wow. I feel pretty confident about wow. that.
1: I was also into it, although I will say that I prefer the unhinged version of Kit in the trip books. I'm just going to say that. Like, if you want a jailbreak, if you want Kit adopting a dog when this family literally can't feed the people under its roof, like Kit taking on her cranky great uncle, all kinds of nonsense that goes on that is so adorable and just takes you in and is, yeah, just... I loved those books. So, I mean, I really liked this book too, but that one there's less relationship to reality or I don't know. I mean, it is real. It brings up a lot of real historical points for the great depression, but there's such a sense of like wildness in the Valerie trip books to me, where they're not going to necessarily be polite all the time or like make choices that you would assume someone would make in a children's book. So I guess I just, I don't know. I just prefer those.
0: Sounds like we just like Kit in general. Like everybody in this room likes Kit. We like the zany Kit. We like the mystery Kit. More Kit. Well, other than Danger at the Zoo, what have you been reading lately that you might recommend to our listeners?
2: I'll recommend an animal book that I really liked. And I feel like I'm telling everyone about this book. I loved Shark Heart. It's so weird. It's about um, a newlywed who turns into a a hammerhead shark in his first year of marriage. And it's set in a universe where like you can turn into an animal. I loved it. I don't want to be a shark, but I actually feel equipped now if I were to become one. You're ready. And that's all we
0: can ask.
2: Well, now I know you can't be ready. That's wow. what I know
0: now. Wow. Oh, that's, that's, I, I don't even know Yeesh. how to process that information. <laughs> that's the I'm lesson. You trying. don't get to go to a zoo. Wow. Well, then maybe we should be more careful about visiting sharks at zoos. Is, is that how it happens? Like if you're in close proximity to a shark, is that how you become a shark cart? Or is it completely unrelated? Is that a spoiler? No, cart
2: no it's not but part of what I love about this book is there I don't love science fiction there is no ink wasted on explaining the mechanics or I should say the why this is just a thing that happens and that's a conceit like if you read My Murder by Katie Williams it's very similar like strange things happen and you have to accept that this is not your world but you could be a A person who becomes a shark, a ma- or married to a person who becomes a shark, and this is what would occur to your consciousness and your life. Great. Well, I
0: will make sure to link that in the show notes for this episode. How about you, Mary?
1: All right, so we read a mystery, so I want to recommend a mystery series that I'm really loving. and it's by Val McDermott. and the first book is called nineteen seventy nine. The second one is imaginatively titled 1989 Mm -hmm. and the premise is that it follows a female journalist not unlike kit young journalist in scotland as she's starting her career wanting to be an investigative journalist and then having to work for a tabloid and trying to kind of do both like kit but each series like jumps ahead 10 years in her life Mm -hmm. and so i accidentally read 1989 first because i saw it in new books at my library and then went back and read 1979 And I've recommended them to two people who have read it and loved it as well. So it's not just me. Um, And then also Tanya James's Loot, which is about um, a historical story that explores um, the relationship between a British person who goes to India and takes an animatronic tiger that's built by people who live there who are employed by a local leader. And it's sort of like what ends up happening as a result of this animatronic tiger being taken. So I'm being vague about it because I don't want to spoil it, but it was very beautifully written and just loved it.
0: Great. Well, I will include links to those recommendations in the show notes for this episode as well. I teased this at the beginning of the episode, but I am so excited that we now get to jump in to a conversation about your book, which comes out a week from today, November 7th. It is entitled Dolls of Our Lives, Why We Can't Quit, American Girl. I am so thrilled for you both that it's happening. It's going to be out in the world. I'm so thrilled for all of us that we're going to be able to get our hands on it. Congratulations. Can you tell us a little bit about the book?
1: So our show explores the American Girl series book by book, so we put all of the books in a historical context of when they're written and the periods that they're set in, and our book actually kind of tries to go beyond that and not replicate what we do on our show, but instead kind of explore what this brand and all of its things have meant for a whole generations of people like us, like you, So we kind of explore a little bit where the brand came from, what inspired Pleasant. We retrace her steps at Colonial Williamsburg, where she was inspired to make American Girl. And then we, you know, draw on stories from a lot of fans of American Girl and sort of explore like what it was like to play with American Girl growing up, all the different kind of projects, um, products that they spun out and kind of just like all its different meanings to people then and now. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy.
0: Listeners, you have to pre-order it if you haven't. Pre-ordering is super important. So if you know that you want to read the book, make sure you pre-order it. I will make sure you have links this week. Allison, is there anything you want to add about the book?
2: just that we're doing a lot of local events. We're local to New England, but we also have a virtual book launch. So we'll be in conversation with Margaret Lyons and she'll be asking us questions about the book and American Girl more generally. And that is the fastest, easiest way to get a signed book as well.
0: Great, well, listeners, I will make sure that you have easy access to all of that information. Allison and Mary, again, congratulations on the release of the Dolls of Our Lives book. I could not be happier for you, and I'm excited to be part of this launch, this lead up to the big launch, and it just was so much fun to have you back on. Thank you for introducing me to all things Kit. Thank you. Thank you. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.